You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme. Well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes. And please be drunk when you hear it. We've got Bush. Fuck, do you like to fuck? It's just money shots, uh, chairs all over there. Those guys with bank bus think they're a good deal. Dude. My dick is small. What's up, drunk marks and drunk marquettes? Welcome to Drunk Wrestling History. I'm your designated host, and I'm bald, and they are the Drunk Wrestling Historians. I'm drunk, I'm old, I'm fucking tired, and I work with fucking children. <laughs> it's great you don't say your name. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. I actually forgot to say it, my name. It's this Siri. Is <laughs> His I name just, is Siri. <laughs> oh, I'll just, I'll add that. I'll, I'll add my name so I don't even have to say that. <laughs> I'll just start. I'll start uh, AIing this whole show. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Which, speaking of AI, I've got something for you guys to hear. Oh, the writers oh, are going to be pissed. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Scott, the man of a thousand and four drinks. This is exactly what they're fighting against. <laughs> AI took our jobs. They well, took do, our jobs. Took do, you want, do you want to just hear what it was, or do you want to get into what we're drinking first? Uh, we can knock out what we're drinking, and then let's get into this AI thing that you've got for us. All right, um, I'm going easy tonight because it's a Monday, and I'm just drinking a Corona. Uh, I'm doing uh, Alvarado Street Brewery again. Thank you to Adam. This is the uh, Dumb and Dumber Hazy Double IPA. It's delicious. So, Adam, my friend, thank you again. Cheers. You're welcome. I've got some Pepsi Nitro. I'm trying this oh. for the first time. And Maybe Pepsi. Yeah. And I think the instruction says I have to... Pour it completely vertically to replicate it it being on tap. So Oh, so it's supposed to be like like nitro, um like the nitro cold brew at Starbucks, like probably, a nitro coffee probably. type. Yeah. Oh dude, like, I fucking love that nitro coffee. I've never had a Pepsi like this before, so let's do this. It's like a Pepsi or Guinness. Shit. Dude, that was loud. That was it like sounds, probably the best can crack we've ever had on the show. It sounds like it's got that ball in it, like a Guinness can does. It, right. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's the factor. Just now one I, ball, though, like our friend Randy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, our friend Randall only has one ball. I didn't know this. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's not listening, so I don't think he'll take offense. Oh, I had no idea. I haven't inspected him in a while, so I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, we used to go to baseball games. Umpire would be like, ball one. And Randy's all offended. <laughs> what, what happened to the other one? Uh, they had to take it out for some reason. I, I remember if it was as a, like a precautionary measure, but anyway, one got removed. Like when he was a kid? Uh, he was no, he was in his twenties, I believe. Oh, okay. Fuck. Did he yeah, get? Yeah, we a, had some fun with that one. Did he get a nudicle? <laughs> have you seen those? Wait, what's a nudicle? They're prosthetic balls. They're for dudes to have to get both balls tear. I guess I guess you could do it if you have one taken out. It's so you have, you know what I mean? They're I guess plastic or silicone or something. Hmm. Yeah, nah, I would I would just deal with ghost nuts. 
Phantom balls. Phantom balls, yeah. <laughs> you can feel them still, but they're not really there. <laughs> I think they're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Adam's over there. What's he doing? He's looking into the Pepsi can. It I'm does have the balls out of, huh? Trying to find the Pepsi's balls. <laughs> All right. Before we get into this, I just happened to be I was looking at Twitter earlier and I just came across. So AI is like a big um, Scott. We lost you. Can you hear us? Yeah, I'm right here, dude. Okay, your video went out for a second. Um, You know, AI has been on the news a lot lately and people are doing crazy stuff with it. Some guy made a um, voice model of Frank Sinatra's voice and put it into AI with a different song. So you get a cover uh, a cover version. Frank Sinatra doing a cover version of a uh, well-known song. How you do this, I have no idea. Um, you must be a lot smarter with AI than I am. All I did was, I think I made, I think I made a picture of Trish Stratus eating pizza, <laughs> which was pretty cool. <laughs> Two of your favorite things, Trish and pizza. Right. Well, you know, I had to do that. Um, I had to do those sperm donations, so I needed some uh, material to use. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. need fat material. I get it. Yeah. So I'd get here, off on the pizza. So here's right, the. Uh, same. So here's this. I just happened to find this about 15 minutes before we started recording. Um, Looking at Twitter. Here we go. To the window, to the wall, until the sweat drops down my balls, until all you bitches crawl. Oh, skeet, skeet, goddamn. <laughs> And that's, oh the be- that's the best use I've seen for AI so far. And I have my catchphrase for next season. <laughs> skeet, skeet, goddamn. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? That's awesome. <laughs> Some wise ass made Frank Sinatra's voice and had him sing that. <laughs> of all the songs. <laughs> I laughed my ass off when I found it. It couldn't have been something from DJ Quick. Oh, that'd be good. Yep. <laughs> um, maybe maybe I do need to figure out how to do this voice modeling. Yeah, we need to work on this, dude. Or maybe I can download it like it's a plugin I can put into an AI app. Oh, dude. Well, that'd be funny. Yeah, we're going to do the entire DJ Quick catalog to the voice of Frank Sinatra, and that'll be every outro song for the remainder of the history of this podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, and that's all I have to start. I was going to say, oh, um... You know what I've been meaning to say for the last couple recordings is um, our buddy Jeff Verbal Sows. He has I don't know if I I don't know if I've mentioned this, but if I've mentioned it before, I don't care. I'm mentioning it again. He has a podcast called Work the Arm, and uh, it's pretty cool. He does watch alongs of um, what's it called? Star uh, Starcade. I think it's Starcade. I listened to the last one, but I get it mixed up with what we're recording. You know what I mean? We I watch so much damn wrestling. Right. But right. Um, no, sorry, Clash of Champions. I don't know if he's only going to do Clash of Champions or he's doing other stuff, but um, he his last episode was Clash of Champions 4. Um, so check that out, Work the Arm podcast. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's actually kind of a cool idea. I like, and they're drinking while they're doing it. Um, okay. Because everybody steals our gimmick. But um, I like the huh. idea of the podcast, just sit down and watch along a whole pay-per-view. And they do them in two parts. Like that was split into two episodes. So it's not... You're not sitting down with a long ass uh, uh, watch along all at once. You know, they break it up a bit. Nice. Definitely check it out. So check it out. And um, other than that, I got nothing because I forgot to write down the um, countries I wanted to say hi to. I mean, you can make some logical guesses. Not that one dude in India. That guy's just gone. Hmm. Maybe he gave up drinking and we were like bad influences on him. Could be. Could be. I'm assuming he moved and we're getting that. We're getting his downloads in a different country. Oh, that's what yeah. I'm hoping. Like, you know what I mean? Let's go with that. He moved to Santa Clara. 
<laughs> hey, that one dude in India, let's uh, meet up, get a drink. and Yeah, absolutely. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll meet up at uh, one of the bars downtown San Jose. That'd be awesome. For this week's episode, we are taking it back to the year of our Lord, 1987, on November 26th, Thanksgiving Day. Didn't we just do that? But uh, we are now bringing this full circle. Uh, like Starcade uh, taking place on that day, we are uh, going over the pay-per-view that took place at the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio. Fun f- or drunk fact, this is just 16 miles away from the South Park Mall. Oh. What's the South Park Mall? It's just a mall. It's it's just a, a mall, mall in South that's Park? called South Park. And I hear it sweet. How do you know this? I looked at the map. But I mean, like, well, you looked at the map and saw the South Park Mall? Or did you already know that there was a mall car oh. called the South Park Mall? Oh, uh, when I... Uh, looked at the location there just happens to be a south park mall that's in driving distance that cleared up nothing but okay <laughs> i looked at the map adam did homework dude and the mall was on the map yeah oh okay okay yeah it's you know you, the south park mall you just uh gotta take uh uh hinkley head up north on the 71 and you'll be at the south park mall Ask for Stan. Yeah. Ask for Stan. Uh, You'll see Finger Bang performing at that mall. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next time I'm in uh, Cleveland. This is Cleveland, right? This is a suburb of Cleveland. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesse the Body kept bearing Cleveland through basically the entire show. The entire thing. Oh, dude. And at some point, I think Gorilla said, we're not in in Cleveland, Jesse. We're in Richfield. And he says something like, oh, great. A suburb of Cleveland. Even better. Only Cleveland sticks around to cheer for losers. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, this is uh, the first of many Survivor Series. The inaugural Survivor Series uh, at Richfield, Ohio. Uh, yeah, the- and Jesse, our commentators, Fink is announcing. Yeah, so this is the first one. I forgot to look up if they had done... Because I don't know if you guys know, but when they did the first Royal Rumble, they actually did one at a house show before they did it on TV. Like as yeah, a test, test run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, test run like a couple weeks before the house show. I didn't look up if they did that with Survivor Series. I'm assuming probably not because it's basically, not. you know, a lot of these guys, I'm sure, had been in elimination matches before. Yeah, and there have um, been six-man matches. I mean, really, this is only adding two per side, so it's not... Right, so they probably didn't, yeah, they probably didn't do this at a house show, but I mean, they might have, and I wish I would have looked that up. I didn't think about it till right now. But so as Adam alluded to, this was on the same night as that was um, Starcade, right? Yes. Yeah. Starcade, which was on pay-per-view, and you can go back and listen to that episode and we kind of explain it, but to briefly, you know, pick back up on it, Vince was like, well, fuck Crockett. He's going to put a, he wants to do pay-per-view like I do. I'm going to fucking go up on free TV against him and put everybody on my fucking roster in one show and get Andre to come back because Andre ends up being in the main event of this. And it was his first match since since three. three. This wasn't free TV, dude. Wasn't. Yeah, this was on USA, wasn't it? No, Royal Rumble was. Oh, I'm mixing it up. Okay, this was on yeah, pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, I'm mixing it up. So this was on pay-per-view opposite it. So, show. But still head to head. Yeah, so it's not actually quite as good and effective as putting it on free TV because right. you still have to pay for it. Like people can't just be like, I'll watch the free one because I want to watch wrestling. Right. But still, you're putting all these big stars, you know, on there. And he totally, I, th- I think we went over the numbers on the uh, Starkid episode 
and I don't have those in front of me, but they fucking killed him. Well, yeah, basically because if, if broadcasters carried Starcade, they wouldn't get WrestleMania 4. That was the deal, right? That yeah. was it, yeah. So, yeah. of course, yeah, WWF, of course, is going to bury the NWA. Yeah, so it was like, it was not available in that many uh, places in the first place. Plus, you know, now you have to decide, even if it is available in your house, you have to decide between the two. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so it was Vince, you know, doing Vince. Yeah, swinging his dick around, that's what he does. Yeah, doing Vince stuff, which um, Vince gets a lot of shit for, but those kind of things have been around for 100 years. And we have an episode coming up this summer later on where I'm going to get into a lot of that. And uh, Scott, I already talked to you about it, but not you, Adam. But um, About Vince's dick? Yeah, we did talk about that extensively. <laughs> Ruthless aggression. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the background on the show. Let's get into it. All right. Uh, your opening, opening matchup is a five-on-five five Survivor Series match. This is... Dangerous Danny Davis, Harley Race, Hercules, uh, the in- the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man, and Ron Bass with Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart taking on Brutus, the Barber, Beefcake, Jake the Snake, Roberts, Jim Duggan, Ricky Steamboat, and accompanied by Miss Elizabeth, Randy, Macho Man Savage. This is literally a who's who of the mid card of late eighties WWF in one match in one match, literally top to bottom. This is the cream of the crop for the mid card. I disagree because Ron Bass and Danny Davis were not mid card. Oh, okay. Especially, especially Ron Bass. He never, okay. I mean, he, you can throw out a name or two, but dude, steamboat, savage beef. Yeah. Jake hacksaw, hacksaw, honky, Harley race, Hercules. Like that's all mid card. Yes, yeah, those guys are the other two. Yeah, not so much, but right, you're right. Right. Yeah, um and I would say these teams are fairly lopsided. See oh, Ron sure. Bass and Danny Davis. <laughs> for <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, when you see those two on there you're like, "Wait, these guys never won a fucking match, hardly." I mean, Ron Bass would beat up jobbers, but did Ron Bass ever do anything? Do you remember a feud that he was ever in besides when he um cut Brutus's head? Cut open Beefcake? No, not at all. Oh no, he think- did face um Blackjack Mulligan. In WWE? Yeah, he feuded with him briefly, and then he fought with Beefcake, and that was that was pretty much it. I didn't I wouldn't have thought those two were ever there at the same time. Yes, they were. Wow. So that would have had to been the very beginning of Ron Bass's run. Correct. Yeah, and this was when Mulligan was in like the red um coverall, not coverall, but like a a thermal top and like blue pants. And yeah, that was that version of Blackjack Mulligan. So yeah, that was basically one of two matches or feuds that I remember Bass being in. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, and Danny Davis was basically a jobber who just, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing. It's actually one, I was thinking, because I'm always like, when did I, you know, really, when did my memories of wrestling really start? And I vividly remember Danny Davis as the referee when oh, I was a kid. Sure. So yeah. I would have been nine. I would just, I, this is November. I just turned nine in August. And I totally remember the whole thing with him being the heel referee. Um you know, and I know, like I've mentioned before, like the Orndorff Hogan Cage match, which would have been, fuck, well over a year before this. Right. But Danny Davis is really one of my earliest me- wrestling memories, which is sad in a way. Yeah, it was always baffling to me. Like, how do you have an evil ref, a crooked yeah. ref being involved in these matches and they don't see what he's doing? Of course, this is like 12 year old me yelling right, at the television right. going, why don't they see what he's doing? Like, you're totally caught up in it. 
But yeah, he was kind of one of those weird gimmicks where, Mm -hmm. okay, he's an evil ref. The only transition we have for him once he's popped is we'll make him a wrestler. And his gear is horrible. Well, his gear is hilarious because he's dressed in um, referee stripes. But WWE yes. referees didn't wear stripes. They wore blue shirts. They wore blue. With, blo- with bow ties. <laughs> Correct. So. It, and as a referee, he was the only one who had long sleeves. He always wore long sleeves um, when he was a wrestler or a referee because he had tattoos on his arms. And I guess Vince didn't want him on TV. I, it makes sense to not want to have a referee with tattoos on TV. Right. Um, right. You don't a, want them to detract or draw attention away from the match. Right. Right. But the, as a wrestler, I don't know why he would care if he has tattoos. Maybe they were shitty or, or maybe Danny didn't want, he wanted to see him cause they were shitty. I'm mm. sure they were better than Jericho's. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but what I found interesting, and of course this is going back to when I watched this happen, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat being in this match, his two feuds previous to this mm-hmm. were with Savage yes, and Jake. Yeah. So 12-year-old me is going, dude, why are you even in this match? Like you, ju- And those, were, those weren't just matches for the sake of having matches. Jake legit knocked out Ricky Steamboat on the concrete floor on a mm-hmm. Saturday night's main event. Almost killed him. And then Savage, right after that, almost killed him. With the whole trachea injury and coming down the with bell, the, the ring bell, bell. Yeah. that set up WrestleMania 3. And then here we are, just what, eight months removed from WrestleMania 3? He's teaming with both guys. Well, he's very forgiving. He, he is the consummate babyface. He really is. Yeah. Whatever the company needs, he's your guy. Yep. <laughs> um. So bef- they do a promo before and Honky Tonk Man threatens to shake, rattle, and roll Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds lovely, actually. It does, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they get to the ring, and Liz looks great as always, but she doesn't look as good as Brutus does in his black and yellow tiger stripe. <laughs> Brutus looks fucking fantastic. Oh, he oh, might yeah. as well that just come out in fishnet pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just see it all. <laughs> um, there are two referees for the match, an inside and an outside referee, which they don't do that anymore in matches like this. No, they do not. That was yeah. new for them. They, they used to do it with cage matches, too, but you never see the two referees anymore. Right, um, and then they do it for the Rumble. They've got referees outside. To... The Rumble, they do, yeah. I think they might have one on every side. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, this was kind of the first time that you noticed multiple referees being involved in the match. Mm-hmm. So to start the match, Beefcake gets a sleeper immediately on Hercules. Hercules tags Davis, and then Beefcake drags him in to the ring. He doesn't want to come in. He pulls him over the top rope. Danny Davis powders out, and then Beefcake drops Ron Bass, too. So it's a really hot start. Just boom, boom, boom. Beefcake taking all these people out, and the crowd loves it. They're on fire. Yep. Um, and then the faces right away are working like heels <laughs> on Ron Bass. Or no, no, I, on Danny, I'm sorry, on Danny Davis. So they have the shittiest guy in the uh, in the other team, and they're healing on him over in their corner. But it's they, what the crowd wanted, though, too. It did, yeah. I mean, the crowd loved it, but it's one of those things with wrestling fans. Like, Babyface, if they're over, can do heel shit and not get booed. Hogan did that religiously during his title runs. Oh, it was his whole was like thing. The quote-unquote babyface of the company. And yeah, he's yeah. raking backs, raking eyes, fighting mm-hmm. outside the ring. Like, yeah, he was he was almost like a shit heel, but he had just happened to be a face. Right, right, yeah, and that's how that's what these guys are doing. Um, they're doing the quick tags, holding him in the corner. One guy will grab him while the other guy hits him. Right. Um, Brutus puts his boot up for Macho Man to slam Danny's face into it. They whip his ass, and then they just let him tag out. It, right. They just right. let him go. They're just like, go ahead and tag. 
it's almost like they're just not taking him seriously. They're just like, oh, whatever. We'll we'll pin him later. Yeah. <laughs> He's like fucking wounded roadkill. Like just yeah. kind of limping away from the scene. Like we got him later. He's fine. Yeah, like a deer that just got his leg a little bit banged up. Right, right. You're like, I'll find him later in the forest. <laughs> um, so he tags in Thurman Merman, who takes a karate chop and Harley falls in slow motion like a mighty oak. <laughs> it's the slowest I've ever seen a guy take a bump. It was incredible. Want to make some sandwiches? <laughs> What's with you and fixing fucking sandwiches? <laughs> fucking sandwiches. And the first person to uh, tweet me with what that reference is, um, I don't have a prize for you, but I'll put you over on Twitter. Yeah, we'll shout you out. Yeah. Um, so Harley's just like taking bumps over the rope. He took like two in two minutes. He's just like, he won't stay in the ring. Like, it was kind of weird. Like he got uh, bumped out of the ring, got back in, did it again. And then he and Hacksaw, Hacksaw gets tagged in. They both brawl outside of the ring and they both immediately get counted out. Yeah, because that was a feud at the time. Right, right. They were, they were feuding. King Crown. Yeah, and it was pretty, you know, logical. It made sense that they would go out that way. And this is early. This is less than five minutes into the match. So you got two guys gone already. Yep. And then Macho Man gets in and he Macho Man's all over Ron Bass's ass until he decides to go after the guys on the apron, which made no sense. And then Bass fucks him up from behind and now Macho's fighting from underneath. Um, but he makes a quick tag to Brutus. Brutus shoots Ron Bass into the ropes, and then um, Beefcake ends up catching a high knee and uh, or catching a high knee on him, and, and Bass is out. Not not catching a high knee. Not catching a high knee. A high knee. <laughs> a high knee. <laughs> and then Honky Tonk gets in. He gets he grabs a uh, Brutus, gets him in an arm bar, and for a, he holds it for a long time. And we got to be 10 minutes in. And this is the first time the match has slowed down. Yeah, it's been going. Yeah, and it's almost like not WWE style because WWE wasn't known for like action, 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 action. But when you got 10 guys in there and they can all get in and do a little bit of stuff and tag in and out, that's what you end up getting. And I mean, a lot of these guys, obviously Macho Man, um, Steamboat, who I don't think has been in yet. But guys like that, you know, they're they're those guys are machines. Right. But I mean, but shit, Savage and Steamboat alone did 30 minutes at WrestleMania 3. Like, right, these guys right. can fucking go, like you said. Yeah. Um, so Brutus escapes and he gets his ass kicked for a while, but like an idiot, he hits the ropes. Um, or he kicks, sorry, he escapes and he kicks Honky's ass for a while, but like an idiot, he hits the ropes right in front of, right in front of Danny Davis, takes a kick from behind, and he gets caught with a shake, rattle, and roll, and Brutus is out. Right. So now we're down to um, three on three. So to recap... Up to this point, four guys have been eliminated. None of them Danny Davis. Right. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that had Brutus going out before Danny Davis in this match, well done. And Harley. And Harley, yeah. Like, fuck. Fucking three-time NWA champion or whatever right. he was. Um, so, and at this point, I'm thinking Jake is probably next to go because he wants to get to the bar. Oh. Um, I'm just a guess. But it, it ends up I'm wrong. Um, Macho gets in, he's getting worked over, but he tags Jake. So now we're good. We're well over 10 minutes and Jake finally gets in the ring. This is the first time he's gotten in and immediately we get a DDT chant and he's on fire. And after about two seconds of beating up Honky Tonk Man, Honky catches him with a boot when Jake charges him in the corner. And it's almost like you can almost hear Jake say, I'm blown up, brother. Grab a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes into a headlock after about a minute and a half of working. <laughs> <laughs> and then Danny Davis gets in long story short Jake pretty quickly catches him with a short arm clothesline and the DDT for the pin and then Hercules comes in and saves Jake by dropping him so he can catch his breath 
Right. Okay, so you mentioned Hercules. Do you think WWF missed the boat with Hercules? Oh, I always thought Hercules was really good. Yeah, for a, especially for a big guy. He was a really good wrestler. Um, I thought his promos were just fine. But you could always stick him... Uh, you know, he was with Heenan. Um, I think why? maybe that's what hurt him were his promos. Yeah, but that's what... But half the guys back then, you know, especially the big guys, like Bundy's promos weren't great, but he made invented too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, good point. He And he had the mouthpiece with him too. He always had a manager, it seemed, except when he went on a singles run as a face. Right. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I go back and I watch Hercules matches. And I'm like, dude, he was really fucking good. Like he, he was. was quick. He had a great look. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. a Vince guy. Yeah, and if instead of Vince seemed to want to do something when he turned him face when they did the angle where DiBiase was going to buy him. Yes. Um, instead of doing that, why not give him a push and have him work with either who was IC champ at that point? Which shit, I have no idea who that would have been, or even have him work with Hogan. Oh, you know, you could have had him do six months with Hogan. Yeah, totally. You know, and I'd have to go back and look when exactly that was. I want to say it was a little after WrestleMania five, but I could be wrong. Well, he faced Haku. You know? I want to say he faced Haku at five. At four, okay. he faced Warrior in that chain match, or where they brought the chain out at the end. But so at he five, turned, he faced Haku, and he won. So he turned face between four and five. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, so, you're talking like Warrior was your IC champ, Hogan was your heavyweight champ. Okay. So oh, I'm sorry, so Savage was your heavyweight champ. Yeah, they, why that not? was both face. Yeah, well, Savage was tied up with Andre and DiBiase, I guess, basically through SummerSlam. But maybe like later on, just have him be kind of a placeholder between SummerSlam and the Rumble, you know? Yeah, I just, I I don't know. I go back and I watch Hercules matches and I always really enjoy him. And Mm -hmm. he's just one of those guys like, I just feel maybe they missed the boat a little bit on him. I think so. He might have just got lost in the shuffle. There were just too many guys. A bingo. Exactly. Lost in the shuffle. A lot of guys. And again... This is, as we mentioned, kind of the cream of the crop of the mid card, give or take a few names. But I would absolutely include Hercules in that. But when you got Steamboat, Savage, Beefcake, Jake, Hacksaw, Honky Tonk Man, yes, you're going to get lost in that shuffle for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It definitely so, seems the way that all all these matches are organized, each representing a division. I would guess, yeah, Hercules would be part of, like, this this B crowd and then trying to find his way out of it. Yeah, he just never really did. He never made it past the mid card, and you'd think he would have had at least a six month run. Mm-hmm. You right. Know? And uh, I think by the time they figured out, hey, let's put him in a tag team with someone, I think maybe it was kind of too late. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that tag team didn't last that long, and then Hercules got fired over that shit in a Flair's hotel room. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they were a good tag team. I actually really liked them. They had one of the best finishers of all time. I agree. I love that, Power that, and Glory. Yeah, that superplex splash. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But again, you've got a guy that was lost in the mid-card in Hercules. you got a guy that was and never was in a tag team in Paul Roma. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd just never really, even though they had that great series of matches with the Rockers, never really taken seriously. Totally, yeah. And then they got squashed by LOD at um, WrestleMania 7, and that was that. That was it, yeah. That's um, it, and that's all. So we end up with um, Hercules has got Jake in a headlock. Jake does the drop down to his ass thing and drives Hercules' chin into his uh, head. He tags out to Dragon. Dragon comes and just whips the fuck out of him. Just, <laughs> you know, beating him, karate chops. He um, he does, he tags Macho Man, does the top rope karate chop, slams Hercules, or I think he tags Macho Man then after he slams him. Macho runs across the apron to the opposite corner or the adjacent corner and elbow drop on Hercules. Uh, and now we're down to a three-on-one. Three-on-one. So 
So we got Jake, Dragon, and um, Macho against Honky Tonk. And Honky's trying to fight them all, but he's not doing well. Um, Jake gets back in for a few punches. He tags right the fuck back out. <laughs> he's like, I'm still not doing any work, you guys. <laughs> My contract um, said I had to land three punches. <laughs> yeah. Um, he ends up, he holds, uh, Jake holds Honky Tonk in the corner while Macho's hitting him, and the Macho chokes him on the mat. Um, so the faces are working like heels again. So now it's a three on one. And the baby face, the, the top baby face on the three on one tag team uh, team is choking the heel <laughs> to death. You know, he's strangling him on the mat with both hands. And then Jesse points out that they should be pinning him, but they're just torturing him. Like Jesse's pissed. You know, he's like this bullshit. Right, hockey talking. I can't stop coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And then um, Honky takes an atomic drop and he dives over the top rope. He says, fuck this. And he leaves and he gets himself counted out. Yep. The precursor to what would be Bad News Brown at the next two Survivor Series. Did that happen with him? Yeah, he bounced on his team, dude. Okay, that mm-hmm. sounds like Bad News Brown. That's yeah, great. he was like, later, fuck you guys. Oh, that's even better to do it when you're not the last guy. Right. <laughs> like abandoning your team. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they still had a chance and he's like, fuck you guys. Um, this was a cool match and I really felt that Honky Tonk was the star of the match. He did the most work on his team and he really, he was the captain of the team. I don't know if we pointed that out, but he worked like the captain of the team. Like you could almost, like there were times where you could see him like talking to the other guys, like do this or whatever. Or there were times like they'd get in trouble. He'd be the one to tag in. And he had the least know. amount of experience next to Danny Davis. No. Maybe. Hockey I don't know. Man. I mean, hockey had been, he'd only been in WWE for a year, but he wrestled for a long time. I mean, he started in, I want to say he started in the late seventies. Really? Honky, Honky that, probably had 10 way? years. He probably had 10 years at this point. Yeah. Oh, you, no can you, shit. Okay. Yeah. Can you fact check that on him? Cause he wrestled under his, his real name. I, I believe before, cause he wrestled for quite a while before he was honky tonk man. Oh yeah. Uh, what Wayne Ferris, Wayne, Wayne Ferris. Yeah. He wrestled in uh, Memphis, I believe. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. But, so in terms of like WWF experience, he would have been the newest guy. He would have been the newest guy on the roster. Yeah. But I yeah. don't think he's, he had just won the title in June. Right. Right. Yeah. And he, yeah, he was like early on in that the early eighties. Okay. If so look, we're at least talking. He had yeah. like seven years experience by this point. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It should say right at the top of his Wikipedia page. It should say debut. Oh, just his. Oh, yeah. 77. 77, yeah. So he oh, got shit, 10, 10 years. years. You were right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 77 okay. Um, with uh, Memphis, Re- Memphis Wrestling. Yeah. I love the booking in this match uh, mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. All of the top of the mid-card guys really got a chance to shine. The fans got what they wanted because Honky at the end got his ass whipped. Yeah. And Honky was kept looking strong because A, he didn't take a pin. And B, he looked way smart for leaving a three-on-one situation when his title's not on the line. Keep his title so, protected. Yeah. Like, yeah don't, why don't hang jeopardize out, take your body. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this match to me was just perfectly booked. It's actually, I thought so too. I thought Danny Davis staying into that long was a little odd. But, but the fans it, wanted to see him take a beating still. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was what it was about, you know? Yeah, yeah I think it was like, totally. let him get in there, get his ass kicked a little more. A lot later in the show, you hear Jesse talking about, like, cheating is a part of uh, is a part of the game or something in general like that. I wouldn't say, like, Honky's cheating, but he's doing the unorthodox moves to really protect himself and keep himself strong. So, yeah, just... Yeah. 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 That's it. He was great heel move. Very, very totally. Yeah. 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 
The next match is the Women's Survivor Series match. This is the Glamour Girls, Dawn Marie, not that Dawn Marie. Not that one. Yeah. The other Dawn Marie, Donna Christianello, and Sensational Sherry with Jimmy Hart. They are taking on Velvet McIntyre. Uh, Eddie and Scott's famous or favorite singer, Rockin' Robin. She rules. <laughs> uh, the Jumping Bomb Angels and Fabulous Moolah. So there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and I have a couple things that I want to mention before we start on the actual action of the match. Uh, my first note is Velvet McIntyre always reminds me of Noodles McIntyre from the great movie UHF. <laughs> Just because of the name. You know, you don't know. You don't know who I'm talking about. I haven't seen UHF in decades, dude. Okay, I haven't seen it in probably five years, but I've probably seen it 50 times. You know, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, the Nanny finds, the the Nanny, the first scene with Noodles McIntosh is with uh, Fran Drescher. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, she's looking for Noodles McIntyre. I love Fran Drescher. Yeah. Um, so Donna Christianello is 45, and I was thinking she was in her 60s. <laughs> <laughs> She looked way, she looked like a fucking uh, Baron Von Raschke. <laughs> so Adam would have thought she was like 34. Um, yeah, I was like, whoa. Okay, but I was that, like, I, That's pushing it, but. <laughs> <laughs> or 43, I think is what you said. Raschke looked like, motherfucker. Um, but I guess being one of Moolah's girls will age you. Um, uh, right. And then I thought, I wonder who Moolah made her fuck to get on the show. Because I don't remember Donna uh, Christianello, so. Moolah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, <laughs> so much for taking it easy tonight. <laughs> mm. I'm only halfway through my first beer. Corona's right. kicking in. <laughs> Yay. Um, the Jumping Bomb Angels might be the funniest name in wrestling history. It is kind of weird, dude. Yeah. Um, the Glamour Girls. There was no glamour there. Zero. <laughs> See, I have a lot of notes. Um, and then I wanted to talk about the, um, the women's um, tag team championship. Because we haven't seen a show with this on it yet. And there probably are very few on Pecock at all because it wasn't really defended very often. It was only around a couple years. Right. And you never, it was not on a WrestleMania, I don't think. It wasn't on one. Yeah, it wasn't on a WrestleMania. So it was like, I'm sure a lot of people, you could have watched wrestling in the 80s and not known it even existed. Right. Right. In fact, when I, because I didn't get to watch this happen live, mm -hmm. I had to catch the results after the fact. So the first time I remember seeing the Women's Tag Team Championship was at the Royal Rumble 1988 when the Jumping Bomb Angels beat the Glamour Girls for the titles. Which was an awesome match. Oh, it was great, dude. The Jumping Bomb Angels, I mean, crazy name aside, were right. fucking fantastic in the ring. So were the Glamour Girls. They're both really fucking good teams. Yeah, they were good teams. There You're were right. only yeah. five total reigns. Glamour Girls had two of them. This is their first of the two. Yeah, yeah that's in WWE. There were five total reigns. But so the history of the belt goes back a long way. So um, I just briefly want to touch on that. So in 83, Velvet McIntyre and Princess Victoria came into the company. It was at the time the NWA World Women's Tag Team Championship. The first champs were Ella Waldeck and Mae Young. It might be Valdeck, uh, but uh, she and Mae Young were champs in 1952. Um, that, was oh, that was only four years after the NWA was founded. So it was way back. The title goes way back. Um, at this, in 83, when they came in, WWE wasn't associated with NWA anymore um, as of earlier that year when Vince withdrew. But it came in because Moolah was 
working in the company, Moolah owned that title, just like she owned the women's title. It was actually her title. Um, so Vince bought it from her and he renamed it the WWF Women's Tag Team Championship. So like Adam said, there were only five reigns and it went defunct on Valentine's Day, 1989. So it was only around a little more than a year after this. And, and, and then it's kind of funny because in 2021, NWA, Billy Corgan's NWA brought it back and they recognized its lineage up until 83 when Vince bought it, which is when they dropped oh. the NWA from the name of it, which makes sense. Um, in 2019, WWE brought it back, but they don't recognize its lineage at all. Oh, shit. According to WWE, it's only existed since 2019. So that 83 to 89 um, is stricken from the history books. Fuck. So the Glamour Girls and the Jumping Bomb Angel Thanos snapped out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's the history of that uh, title. Thank you for attending my tanked talk. <laughs> Well done. Oh, also, Moolah held the booking rights for most of the women until around 84. So the the joke about Donna Christianello having to fuck someone for Moolah to put her on the show, that's um, purely fictional. And tasteless. But before it, but until 84, to get booked on Mojo's around the country, you had to work for Moolah. So she kind of controlled women's wrestling. She she had more power over that division than Vince did over wrestling in general. Yeah, you're right. If you're you think right. about it. Totally. Yeah. Um, so as the match starts, Jesse says that he let Arnold be his co-star and running man. That was so nice of him, dude. Wasn't that? Yeah, it was very generous. It was very kind that he just <laughs> let Arnold be in that movie. Oh, he's a huge star, Jesse. He could do what he wants. That's a governor, <laughs> a future governor looking out for the people. Right. The people's right. governor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Velvet and her crimpy hair start out the match uh, against Sherry. But um, so I was so confused on this match. I had to text you in the middle of it because I'm like, who are the faces and who are the heels? Because I remember yeah. Sherry as a heel. And of course, I remember Moolah as a heel. But I'm like, I was so fucked up. But I'm like, I remember Velvet McIntyre as a face. Um, well, and when Sherry first came in, she was a face. When Sherry first came in, she was a face. Yeah. So as I was a wrestler. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was really screwed up on this. And like, like I said, you don't really see them that often. So I was really I didn't know what was going on in this fucking match. I was like, I don't Wait. think the crowd did either. I don't think so. I think you're right. It was really, it was kind of a confusing match to follow. It was. So I'm not going to go into too much detail on this because it's really, especially if you, if, especially if you're listening and you don't know who they are, it's really confusing. Um, but um, let's see, let's hit the highlights. Um, Sherry, so Sherry was the champ. She got taken out. Moolah was taken out like first or second, right? Uh, so first off, McIntyre eliminated Christianella with a victory roll. The victory so, roll. So think King of the Ring 93 when Brett beats Bigelow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then Rockin' Robin eliminates Don Marie, not that one, with a crossbody. Yeah. Sherry eliminates Rockin' Robin with a, a, a suplex, dude. A suplex, a yeah. A fucking suplex. Was it a double underhook suplex? No. No, a it was suplex? a standing vertical suplex. Okay, okay. And didn't do the blood rush to the head like Davy Boy Smith. Nothing like that. Suplexer Which I hate anyway. And fucking Pinder. Okay. Uh, double clothesline by the Glamour Girls takes out Moolah. Mm, that's what it was. That's when Moolah went out. Yep, McIntyre this takes is, out. Oh, go ahead. That's when I, it really occurred to me that Moolah was a face. Yes. Because you know? like, I totally didn't remember girls? that. Yeah, right. Uh, let's see. McIntyre eliminates Sherry with another victory roll. Yeah, that was like her thing, was the victory roll. Uh, apparently, yeah, and that's where Brett got the move from, I guess. Um, he ripped off Velvet McIntyre. Yes, I also have a drunk fact here. Okay. Rock and Robin 
Which you would think after watching this, McIntyre's getting some eliminations. Okay, they're going to start pushing McIntyre. No, mm -hmm. you would be mistaken. Rock and Robin won the women's title shortly after this and held the title for 502 days. Isn't that just bizarre? Because I was thinking the same thing. Velvet gets those two ro uh, victory rolls. And I'm thinking exactly that. Wow, oh, they got they've got plans for her. She's climbing yeah. all over everyone, like very Rey Mysterio like, and then those roll ups. I'm figuring she's she's the aerial all around wrestler on this. I thought she was the strongest performer. Yeah, and then she but takes out the the champion. You're like, that's next in line. Yeah, yeah but somehow Rock and Robin ended up getting that spot. It, yeah, I don't know if it had anything to do with the performance at WrestleMania five. Um, yeah, do you think she sang to Vince? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, Rock and Robin held the women's title for 502 days. It retired with her in 1990 when WWF phased out the women's division. And one more fact, she is still in possession of that title. What? She still has it. Oh, you mean the actual belt? The actual belt. She still has the belt. She okay. still has okay. it. Yep. They just basically, I guess, didn't book her again. And there's oh, like, so ah, she consolation so she, prize she was on the road and she probably was on the road and was let they probably let her know that they weren't going to use it anymore and she just left it at home you know yep. when she got she probably got home and just left it there well i'm not carrying this around which bless her heart she never pawned it wow, that's surprising i know dude that <laughs> should be on ebay yeah because people have no been known to pawn belts right or hall yeah. of fame rings yeah yeah or hall of fame rings. yeah i think um pedro Mor i think pedro morales pawned his belt <laughs> I already I, the story was that he had a bad um uh he was a bad gambler bad at gambling oh. apparently and had a bad gambling habit and he had money the, the champ had m enough money problem that he had to pawn the belt and he told Vince Senior that it got stolen out of the car oh shit yeah yeah so he lost his belt I wonder if that's but, what Wardlow did <laughs> oh god <laughs> no he parked his car in San Francisco like a fucking tourist with something in the back seat yeah he went into Cash Creek with it. Hawked it at the window. <laughs> they gave him 25 bucks and a buffet credit. <laughs> um, okay. So where are we? Um, it's uh, we're really, doing the elim eliminations at this point. Yeah, the match was so fast. It was really hard to keep track of. Like I'm trying to take notes while watching, but the tags are so fast. And the eliminations early on were pretty boom, boom, boom. Right. You know, back to back. Um, but you eventually get to where, what do we have? We have Sherry, Velvet, and the two tag teams left, right? Are like the final four. Well, I guess final three on each team. Uh, let's see. I have Glamour Girls still in it. Velvet, Jumping Bomb Angel still in it. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, we're the, um, I don't know. You want to just skip to the fucking finish? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm totally Leilani lost Kai in this match. Velvet McIntyre, when Velvet McIntyre was going for yet... Another, you guessed it, victory, victory roll. roll. She so, caught her in it, right? Yes. She caught her in it, yeah. Uh, caught her as she was like on her shoulders and dropped her over the top rope, almost like a hot shot, and right. pinned her. So That's now right. it's basically the, the tag team's in there. That's right. She dropped her like chest first on the ropes and then Correct. went back into an electric chair. Correct. Yeah, and then right. Then you get down to the tag teams and then it becomes a really cool match. It slows down and then it's just a regular tag team match. You, could now you can also strategic, see what they were building not, towards. Yeah, not trying to adapt. Mm -hmm. yeah um it doesn't last that long though um it wasn't it wasn't the longest match in the world i don't have the time no. but um Le leilani takes a quick pin and then judy gets in and she gets worked over by both of them and um jimmy hart gets up on the apron 
He ends up taking a drop kick from one of the bomb angels. Yeah. And uh, Judy takes a flying clothesline off the top rope right then and gets pinned. And that's okay. it. And the bomb angels are your survivors. Yep. And then and, that would lead up to Royal Rumble 1988, which was free on USA television, mm-hmm. in which the jumping bomb angels, I believe, won the titles in a two out of three fall match, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Uh, yes. I think it was a two out of three fall match. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a cool match once it got... The Bomb Angels were so good. And one of the um, cool things about this match is Jesse loved the Bomb Angels. He did. And he doesn't impress easy. No. I mean, he was putting them over like they were Macho Man. You know? Right. Like, he never puts over baby faces. But he was like, they're incredible. This team is amazing. Like, he loved them. Um, and... <laughs> Gorilla and Jesse, I don't think could tell the bomb angels apart because they just kept referring to them as a bomb angel as a bomb angel. Right. (laughs) At one point I heard uh, Gorilla say one of their names, but I don't even know if it was the right name or um, how would we have known? No, you don't really know because when they introduce them, even if it puts a graphic up, it just it doesn't say their their individual no, names. No, it just says jumping bomb angels. Yeah, but those two definitely. Could, I don't either. They didn't know their names or they couldn't tell them apart. What I loved is every time they got into the match, business picked up. Like it, it, the match mm-hmm. in, it improved every time they got into the ring. They were phenomenal. It did. Yeah, you know what it was was um, the Glamour Girls were just really good workers. They didn't do a lot of fancy stuff, but their psychology was great. Yeah. Um, and they were. I mean, they were. They were good. They were fundamentally sound. Um, and then they worked, it was almost like watching the rockers and the brain busters in a right. way, whenever those two would get in the ring. Cause the bomb angels were the high flyers who would do all the really cool shit. Um, so two great tag teams. I loved the jumping bomb angels when I was a kid. Yep. Same. Yeah. same. And again, I had no idea who they were until like around this time, but mm-hmm. yeah, once I knew I would, I wanted to see them on television more. We just never got a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. I sense Eddie and Scott's Halloween costume idea. Oh my God, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wear a little women's bathing suit. Again? <laughs> I have to tuck my dick between my legs. <laughs> Jeez. Big dick problems. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Your next match is a tag team 10 on 10 Survivor Series match. Brace yourselves. All right. We have... The Bolsheviks, the Dream Team, Demolition, the Heart Foundation, and the Islanders, accompanied by Bobby the Brain, Fuji, Jimmy Hart, uh, Slick, and Johnny Valiant. They are taking on the British Bulldogs, Strike Force, the Killer Bees, the Fabulous Rougeaus, and the Young Stallions. The stipulation so- is... Oh. Uh, one if one member of a team uh, of a designated tag team gets eliminated, both members of that tag team are eliminated. So to go back to our Vince hates tag teams episode, imagine a time when there were ten credible tag teams. You know what I mean? Ten teams that weren't really jobbers. Right. Besides the Young Stallions, were kind of jobbers, but so nine good tag teams. Yeah. Even when the tag team scene got good again in the late 90s, you know, in the Attitude Era, they didn't have anywhere near that many tag teams. Yeah. And it was kind of like I'd mentioned on that episode, like a lot of these teams came in as teams. Not all of them. Strike Force was one of the ones that we forgot about on that episode. Yes, um, you're right. But, you know, the Rougeos and... Um, but, um, yeah, what a tag team scene it was. Oh, except for Valentine and Dino. I totally forgot that Dino Bravo replaced Brutus in the Dream Team. 
Yeah, that was all kind of weird. And I think it was more because they didn't exactly know what to do with Greg Valentine. Like they could see that yeah. Brutus was going to be a single star on his own. Yeah. But they needed something to do with Greg Valentine. Like, fuck it. Just throw Dino Bravo in with him. Who cares? Right, right. Yeah, put Johnny V with him, you know, or yeah, keep Johnny V Yeah, it was a very short-lived team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think it was more we don't know what to do with Greg Hammer Valentine. Right, because by five they weren't together, so they were together less than a year. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesse stands for the Soviet National Anthem. <laughs> when yeah, Nikolai which by the way, it. let's point that out, that they were doing the big tag team interview in the back. Uh-huh. The, with the heel teams. Yeah. And the poor Bolsheviks weren't even a part of that because they sent them to the ring to sing the national anthem. They said that. They asked, uh, me and Gene asked where they were. Yeah, and they're like, oh, they're out doing the national anthem. And sure yeah. shit, here's Jesse standing. That's <laughs> the national anthem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, so for people who don't know, so you got um, Tama and um, Haku in the Islanders. Uh, Tama is Rikishi's twin brother. And he's Jacob Fatu's dad, which would make him Roman's uncle, I guess, and Uso's uncle. Uso's uncle, yeah, because Roman's, yeah, or something. Oh, but one very, very important thing about that, Mm -hmm. about the Islanders, please tell me why in the fuck Haku is not in the Hall of Fame. I think it's just a matter of time. It's just he's one of those guys, you know, I think he'll get there eventually. Dude. Um, you know, it's like we've talked about this before on the Hall of Fame epi- uh, episode. They have their boxes they check every year, but it seems to be changing now because it's a shorter show. They right. kind of changed Fewer the format. Names, it seems, yeah. I don't know if that means he'll be in there sooner or if it'll take longer for him to get in there. Um, it if could they be because he put him in in that honorable mention wing. I'm going to be fucking pissed, dude. That seems to only be for guys, um, you know, who wrestled earlier on, you know, apart okay. from Pez Watley, who went into that wing everybody else because they call it like the pioneer wing or whatever the something fuck it's like called. that yeah yeah so no haku wouldn't be if you're gonna put him in there it's like why even put him in exactly it, just does, no, it he doesn't make sense his moment dude haku is legit a badass yeah totally he so you, solid in the ring absolutely I, deserves his place i think he still works with new japan on occasion too you're so that correct. could be part of it you know you're so correct. i think that might because he was at that house show i mean that was a few years ago we went but i mean he was at that he was in that battle royal at the cow palace yeah, and the crowd um, fucking loved him. Oh, he was the most over guy on the show, practically. There's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt. Absolutely yeah. deserves his place in the Hall of Fame. So I just wanted to shine a light on that because it's a mm-hmm. damn shame. I couldn't agree more. Put that whole fucking family. Well, he's not part of the family, but put all the Islanders in the Hall of Fame. Do it. Except Do it. Tom. The Islanders were so good, too. I forgot how entertaining they were and how good they were in the ring until yeah. I went back and watched this match. Yeah, they were awesome. Tama um, could fucking go, dude. Oh, Tama was, yeah, he was like the fucking, I mean, he was like a bit of a high flyer, like a Jimmy Snuka type. Yes. And Haku was just a, a Harley race type. Yeah, ground you know? and pound. Like, he, yeah, get there, just punch the apart. fuck out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell he was a badass, too. Take out your fucking eye. He ain't even scared. Yeah. Um, Jesse says maybe Matilda is going to start the match, and Gorilla says, highly unlikely, Jess. <laughs> i think he said highly unlikely like six times on this show i loved it um so there's so many guys in this match it looks like a lumberjack match except that they're on the apron that's my main complaint on yep uh about the presentation you got it's practically 10 on 10 they're extending into uh into the ring, which means regular angle is blocking the camera and early on and the floor section so right. your best view is the special side cameras. Yeah. You, yeah, you're right. When they go to hard cam at the early on in the match, hard cam. yeah, the middle, yeah. The, yeah, the guys on the apron extend probably about 14 feet across the ring. 
So yeah, you're right. Until they start getting some guys eliminated on the heel team, I think that was the heel team in that corner. Um, but you could you could practically. Um, oh, I just got a uh, notification on my computer. Co- uh, Brock Lesnar apparently breaks Cody Rhodes' arm in assault. Oh, Raw's on right now. Okay, so uh, that'll even up the uh, the series between them. That'll be yeah. Cody's out. Yeah, exactly right. I had to wrestle with a broken arm. Yeah, it'll be a pause in his story. Yeah. Um, or he's legit hurt. Oh shit! Not again, dude. He yeah. just had the fucking peck fucking thing. Fucking bro. I know, right? Um, so really early on in the match, like within two minutes, Tito hits the flying burrito on Boris uh, Zukov, and the Bolsheviks are out. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that happened quickly. And I forgot that Boris had been in the WWF for so damn long, too. He was there a long time. He yeah. was, dude. I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really stays in the match more than like a minute and because it's really easy to tag in and out because with so many guys on the apron, you're never far. You know, you can yes. basically make a tag from a neutral corner. Yeah, it was very hard to build to a hot tag in this match, too, because oh, of that mm-hmm. reason. I don't remember if there was a hot tag before... Or maybe not even at the end. At some points, they were just letting him walk over to the corner and tag. I can't stop you anyway. <laughs> yeah, just fucking go, dude. Yeah, right, right. I'll save my fucking energy. Um, then not long after that, Axe pins Jacques after he misses a crossbody from the second rope. And uh, Gorilla has already lost count because he already thinks three teams are out or four teams are out, but only two are out. Well, it's confusing <laughs> when so many people are leaving and you got so many, yeah. It's just chaos out there. It really is. It's a lot it's a of vis- It is. Yeah. I, I can't um, blame them. It's a visual mess. Yeah, and it um, seems like they're watching them at a corner. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, Nightheart does a cool spot with Jim Powers over his shoulder, like um, perpendicular to his body, I guess. Not like a torture rack, but turned 90 degrees from that. And Haku drops an elbow onto yeah. him from the top rope and Jim um, Neidhart drops him and that could have gone wrong really easily the way oh, he dropped dude. he just let him go like that dude could have come down right on his head yeah but that seemed to be the running theme of the match is this seemed to be the quote unquote young stallions are paying their dues match because the young stallions took the most ass whippings out of any of the 10 tag teams in this match you know what that and didn't it occur wasn't to me even close it didn't I did. I mean, it, it occurred to me that they were taking the most ass whippings, but I didn't even think about them paying their dues. But yeah, you might be right. Well, look, OK, we're not going to get to the finish just yet without spoiling anything. Maybe there was a reason for that. You know, these these guys, they had only been around for less than a year, uh, easily less than a year for sure. Yeah, they were, as their name implied, the young, they were young guys that were literally two jobbers slapped together. Like, let's see what we can make with these two kids. They yeah. have a really, really good look. They're Vince guys. Yeah. So let's see what we can make happen. And this was kind of like, I guess, their proving grounds. But out of <laughs> out of 10 tag teams in this match, I think, A, they had the most ring time. Mm-hmm. And B, they took the most punishment. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, put, the, put those young kids in there. Yeah, put them in there. Yeah, and let's let see them what they can the do. Match. I'm sure the veterans were like, fuck it. We're going to almost have a night off. Just put oh, the young yeah, right, in. right, right. Yeah, because some of those guys were not exactly young at this point. I mean, oh, hard, for sure. you know, Brett and Anvil were, but uh, I mean, fuck, I don't think Demolition were ever young. No, Axe, no, especially Axe, dude. Yeah, right. I think yeah. Axe was born in his 40s. Yeah, Axe had one foot out the retirement door already. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Demolition, they get tossed next um, because in Smash the tosses the fucking rep- elimination. The dub- yeah, he's, he's trying to murder Dynamite Kid. I think he was strangling him. He's like, I can't stop punching him. Oh, he's punching him. Yeah, he's punching him to death. Like it's an ass- it's like Rodney King or something. Yeah, yeah. He's um, trying to turn his face into hamburger, and the referee yeah. gets in his way. 
And he tosses the referee and then boom, they're out. TQ. Dumbest um, fucking elimination, dude. It was a dumb elimination. They didn't even take anybody out. They could have done something before getting taken out that way. Yeah, these were the guys know? being groomed for four. I guess for they're not going to. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's you want you don't want them to lose, but they're, you don't want them to win either. So, uh, but they could have gotten counted out or something. They could have not looked like idiots. They could have gotten double counted out with strike force, which would have actually helped strike force's cause. Yeah, totally. I mean, we'll um, get to that, but yeah, this weird booking in this match. Yeah. So right after that, Jesse says that Strike Force haven't been in the ring yet and they're hiding. But Tito started the match and got the first pin. Yeah. Oops. So between him fucking that up, Gorilla not knowing how many teams are left in the match. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as Adam alluded to, it's very much chaos in this thing, and visually, it's overwhelming. It really is. Yeah. Ev- um, yeah. Even even by this point, three teams eliminated. It's still not helping. Mm. Right. Um, Tito hits a flying burrito on Anvil, goes for the pin, but Hitman breaks it up with an elbow to the back of the head, and Anvil pins Tito. I've never seen that before. I never have either. And I haven't seen it since. The champs got eliminated by a broken up pin. By a broken up pin. Listeners, when have you ever fucking seen a broken up pin lead to a pin? Yeah. So to summarize this, Demolition and the Strike Force are out before the Young Stallions and the Killer Bees. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, FYI, Strike Force are your tag team champions. Yeah. So I actually got curious because I was like, all the champs are getting pinned early tonight because Sherry was out. I mean, Sherry didn't make it to the end. Right. Um, Honky did, but Hon- he wiped Honky himself bail. out. Yeah. But I started wondering, was there a house show across town that they had to get to? There's no way. Not on Thanksgiving night, dude. I wouldn't think so, but I tried to look it up and I couldn't find anything, you know. No, um, just all the my... guys were on this and Hogan was headlining. They didn't have the tag teams go on first. There's no but, way, dude. But Honky and Macho could have headlined the house show. But Honky came out later for an interview. Was he out? Was he in the Was he in the arena? Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. He, okay. He got there back into show. His, regular, uh, his regular attire. Okay. With a towel. So then that's a that's yeah. a definite no then because Honky would have been on that show. Also, would that be a huge dick move on Vince's part? Not to put a huge dick move past Vince, but Make to have work. fucking <laughs> Macho and Honky wrestle twice on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving. night. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't fucking surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me. That guy loves fucking money. Yep. <laughs> um, Dynamite shoots Brett into the corner and he takes that face forward shot. It, which had me thinking, like, why don't more guys do that? Because it makes way more sense. I might have brought this up. It makes way more sense than turning 180 degrees at exactly the right time to go back first. But only Brett seems to be the guy in history. He's the only one. That has perfected that move. Mm-hmm. I don't know why nobody else did it. You know, Other guys have perfected falling from a full stand to a face down. Yeah. In a perfect motion. But only Brett has perfected running full speed ahead into the corner buckle. Mm-hmm. Face first. Yeah. Um, so not long after that, Dynamite drops a headbutt on Haku and he almost dies because in the 80s, Samoans had thicker skulls. You don't headbutt Samoans. Yeah. You don't bash their heads into the corner buckles. Right. Per wrestling lore. Yes. They had thicker skulls. Correct. This was an and, 80s uh, thing. This is not us just throwing opinions out there. This is it's, this is, it's 80s it, wrestling history. Yeah. It was known. Um, and Haku uh, thrust kicks him and the Bulldogs are gone. Which is crazy. He the beats Bulldogs him with a Savat kick. Yeah, it was just a kick to the chest. That but was, it was it. after. But it was after smashing his head into a Samoan's head or a Tongan's head. Okay, the, uh, yes, that is true. So, you know, yeah, he was suffering. He was painting. So, unceremoniously, the Bulldogs are out. You're dizzy and then... And the dogs and the bees are still there. 
I mean, the uh, sorry, the uh, stallions and the bees are still there, and a lot yes. of animals on this a, team. A lot of animals, yes. Yeah, dogs, bees, and horses. <laughs> um, Valentine and Gio Bravo are still in the in the fucking match too at this point, which you'd think they'd be the second team out after the fucking uh, Bolsheviks, right? Um, Roma tags in as Valentine's going for a figure four on Powers, but Valentine doesn't see it, and he gets pinned. Um, Roma does a top rope sunset flip, right? And pins him, which was really cool. And it, the, the, my next note is, I can't believe the teams that are left. The final <laughs> right? four is the Islanders, the Hard Foundation, the Killer Bees, and the Young Stallions. And then it turns into a regular match at this point where they start working a guy over and doing holds. It slows down a little bit, and they're able to do a little more of their, their tag team stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm... Trying to skip ahead in my notes because we're starting to go a little long because, well, we're not going long, but Scott has to leave at a certain point. So if you guys are disappointed with um, this episode, blame him. Yeah, I'll I'll take the brunt of it, guys. It's his fault. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The referee at this point, did you notice how bad he looks? Like his hair is all fucked up, his shirt's untucked. Yeah, he looks like he was partying with Anvil before the match or something. He's like a fucking hunchback in Notre Dame. Oh, he does. Yeah. And he's that, I don't know that referee's name, but he was that really ugly dude. (laughs) <laughs> that was around back. You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. They probably said his name during one of the matches on here. I could find it out his name, but I'm not going to. Yeah, his face but, is unsettling. Um, it is. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, you don't feel good when you see it. No, yeah. no, no, no. You, you want to change the channel? Or at yeah. Least tell the cameraman, hey, fucking pan away, dude. Yeah. Um, no offense. <laughs> uh, there was a cool spot where Haku went for a backdrop and Jim Brunzel drop kicked him. Yeah. Like Haku was bent over and Brunzel backdropped him like in the head. Yeah, that had to be a breakdown of communication. Yeah, I think it was. It was a mix-up. Yeah, right. Um, Haku goes for a charge on um, Paul Roma in the corner after Brunzel tags out. And uh, Roma, at this point, he goes from being almost totally vertical to dramatically crawling to make a tag. Yeah. And I've always heard that the one thing with Roma is like the psychology he never really grasped, which is why he was never a bigger star. Because for being good at what he... For being good... Technically, and having a great look, he was never that big of a star other than his two weeks as a horseman. Yeah, he never made it, dude. He and when never I s- made it. Yeah, and when I saw this, I was like, yeah, there's a good illustration of that. I mean, he's fine. He's standing, and he's like, but I do have to make a dramatic tag, so I better drop to my knees. It just well, and here's awkward. the thing. This is 1987, so this would be forgivable. The problem is, is we watched the trajectory of his career. So mm-hmm. even in 1993, as a tag team with Mr. Wonderful, he's still fucking up. And you're like, dude... <laughs> Right, right. The height he of his re- career was winning the WCW Tag Team Championships, and that's as far as it got. Yeah, he sort of gets to a point. It's like he got to a point where he just sort of topped out on how good he was going to be. Exactly. They knew what they were getting every time he was in. There was no improving. He just was what he was. Yeah. And look, um, he still had a, a fine career. Like, whatever. Like, it is what it is at that point. Yeah. Um. Before that, I forgot. This, or I skipped over. Uh, the Hart Foundation got eliminated, so they're the first of those four to go. Um, Roma gets worked over forever and he finally makes a tag to Brunzel and then we get a double down with, um, Brunzel, Brunzel and, uh, um, Brett and Tom ends up drop kicking Brett onto Brunzel and Brunzel rolls all the way over. They do the spot where they, um, the momentum Brunzel, Brunzel goes, Brunzel goes for a slam while the referee's distracted. Tom a drop kicks Brett, you know, to land him on Brunzel, but Brunzel rolls backwards with it and pins Brett. Yep. So Hart right. Foundation's out, leaving a two on one. So you got a two on one, and then it all breaks down. 
you got um bronzel's in the ring everywhere um everyone's in the ring but blair he's outside for some reason the stallions and haku end up fighting to the floor and while the ref is distracting dealing with them bronzel goes for a sunset flip on tama but tama grabs the middle rope so they're at the, at the edge of the ring brian blair suddenly is wearing a mask he does a yep, sunset flip from the apron yeah. he suddenly is in a mask he does a sunset flip from the apron and pins um haku or pins tama sorry and that's the end of the match. And it was the dumbest fucking finish I've ever seen. And I completely forgot that the Killer Bees did. I remember them wearing the mask. Yes. But I forgot they did this twin magic bullshit for a while. They did. And that kind of became their gimmick after. Well, they also put on uh, the black and yellow Air Jordans. I don't know if you remember that. But I don't they, remember that. Yep. They ended up wearing the Air Jordans towards the tail end of their WWF run. But the masks ended up being probably the thing they're most remembered for. Because the, they never won the tag titles. Yeah, but the masks kind of came into play towards the end of the match where they'd each throw on a mask and the referee didn't know who was who. It's almost like a heel move, like the Conquistadors or something. It's a complete heel move. Like it's it's yeah. what Demolition did with um when um Axe was fucked and they would trade him out with uh with Crush, Crush in the middle of a match. The one, right. Yeah, or the Bellas used to do it, and yep. it makes it makes no sense if you're gonna pretend, <laughs> if you're gonna try to confuse the referee about who's in the ring why wouldn't you just both wear masks the whole time the entire match right you know what i mean like that would be way logically it made zero fucking sense like suddenly a guy goes from not wearing a mask to wearing a mask and the referee doesn't catch it that was the way they did every single match when they brought the masks into play yeah it was always at the very end of the match they never started with them stupid (laughs) i completely forgot about that yeah i because as we're watching i'm like okay the bees are still in it They've got to bring the masks into play at some point. And sure as shit, right at the finish, mm-hmm. boom, one of them, I'm like, there it is. One of them's wearing a mask. Here's the end. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesse's with all the great teams theory. in this match. It's part of the game. It is. Find your opportunity. You yep. um, with all these great teams in this match, the Young Stallions and the Killer Bees were the winners. <laughs> so to those of you that guessed ahead of time, <laughs> with the Young Stallions and the Killer Bees surviving, well done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that match was 37 minutes and it felt like about two hours. Yeah, I think they did a lot of filler in that. They're just like, guys, we need to fill in some time here before the yeah. heavyweight title match or the heavyweight match. So yeah. do your thing. Make it look good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ted yeah. DiBiase could only film so much. So, Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, man. And so that, yeah. So they do a Ted DiBiase vignette next slash seg- next segment. I don't, replay slash. It was like it went on for 10 minutes. fucking minutes. Yeah. But yeah. it was fantastic. It was really good, but it went on for a long time. And then because there it was took a me clear a... beginning, a middle and an end to this montage. Yes. yes. Not, well, not just story. like lot like it did. live it, uh, yeah. video. It, like it did. Exclusive. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason for it, which it took me a while to figure it out, was because it was intermission in the arena. Right. Because then they go back and um, Jesse and Gorilla are recapping every match. Um, and I was like, that's when I'm like, oh, it's a fucking intermission. And then, yeah, that's when Honky Tonk and Jimmy Hart come out. And that was actually, I can't believe I forgot that this even happened because I thought it was really interesting because I always thought Honky was really good on the mic to the point that he probably didn't need Jimmy Hart. And even in this promo, Jimmy Hart said like three words. Yeah. You know, Honky yeah. handled the whole thing. He did. I never thought about it before. Do you think they put those two together just because of their hair? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they looked good together more than Honk. Honky didn't need Jimmy Hart, I don't think. But it made sense. The Colonel to the Elvis. Oh yeah, that's that, true. I get, that yeah. whole dynamic made sense to me. Uh, also, don't forget when Honky first came in, he was a face. 
And so the fans organically started to hate him anyway because he just looks ridiculous. So they kind of were like, okay, we need to put a heel manager with him to turn him. Just throw Jimmy Hart on him and he's going to get the stink on him. That'll turn him heel, no problem. And then I think just as a twosome, they just worked. They did. They were great together. This was obviously not a prime example of it because, again, you're only about four months into Honky's title reign here. Right. There was more to come. Yeah, Jimmy Hart definitely enhanced the presentation. Totally. I mean, um, and then, and he, because then you brought Peggy Sue into the equation and it became a whole thing. And Jimmy Hart could take an ass kicking so honky didn't have to. Exactly. You know, it, it yeah. all just kind of worked. Yeah, it really did. I just was like, wow, like he really didn't need that. But he probably, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he would have been as good. Right. You know? And let's yeah. not forget, too, you guys were talking about the DiBiase vignette going 15 minutes. It was long. Whatever. But let's keep in mind, okay, DiBiase is already working with his way up to be one of the shittiest heels on the roster. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to work the show. They found a way to incorporate him. That's true. And keep him from losing at all or making him a sole survivor. That's true. Yeah, and that's a good point. he was featured on the show right before right. the main event. Yeah, yeah. So you're positioning him, you're storytelling, you're building his character. I thought this was really well done. And any chance I get to see him kick a basketball away from a kid is, dude, I'll take it's- it. It's gold. Or or hear a woman bark and him tell her the bark wasn't good enough. I will take it. Yeah. Or or, or rent a private pool out for the day. That was so He couldn't good. even get his <laughs> yeah. own luxurious pool. He had to buy out a, yeah. a public kid's pool. Get these no, kids the he fuck out of this public pool. He didn't have to buy it out. He wanted to buy it out. He just wanted to. Yeah. That was his whole point. Is Did you catch how much money that cost, by the way? No, I didn't. It was $400. Well, there was a lot of money in 87. Well, to the guy's credit at the window, Virgil slapped down $200 bills. The guy's like, nah, the chemicals are fine. These kids aren't going anywhere. I have to deal with the parents. And DiBiase <laughs> nudges Virgil. Virgil throws down another two, and the guy's like, let me Damn, see Damn, there's too do. many chemicals suddenly. <laughs> yeah, suddenly the chemicals are way out of fucking whack. <laughs> These kids are getting the fuck out of Dodge. It's genius. Oh, I loved it, dude. I, 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 mean, I know you guys said it went long or whatever, but I think it played multiple roles, roles on this show for yeah. DiBiase. Yeah. Because look at who the biggest guy was going into WrestleMania 4 on the heel side. I would argue it was not Andre. I would argue it was DiBiase. Yeah. You're right. That's true. All right. We have reached our main event, the final Survivor Series match of the night. Butch Reed, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, Rick Rude, and team captain Andre the Giant. Accompanied by Bobby the Brain and Slick. They are taking on Don Morocco, uh, Ken Patera, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Bam Bam Bigelow, and your captain, Hulk Hogan, accompanied by Oliver Humperdinck. Remember that 80s line, where's the beef? It's yes. on the heel side of this match. It's dude. on the heel side of this match. Yeah, That's totally. where the beef is. Right. Rick Rude's the small guy yeah, Gorilla, on the team. Gorilla's Go mentioning uh, like the ring is going to need reinforcements. You just had a 10 on 10 tag match, but it kind of makes sense. The ring is going to be very lopsided with the ring enforcements on this one. And Eddie, I guess this would be a great time to segue into paying tribute to the great superstar Billy Graham. Because he was actually supposed to be in this match, but ended up getting subbed out because of his hip injury by uh, the great Don Morocco. Which he later blamed that hip injury on steroids, but he actually injured in a match with Butch Reed. 
with which read right yeah he went on like the donahue show or something and was like yeah i have a bad hip from steroids and it's like no you don't you have a bad hip from being a wrestler motherfucker it's from being a wrestler yeah but yeah all right well all right we'll tribute billy graham even though like i've never been the biggest fan of him as a person but as a wrestler he was brilliant well i think if anything we can we can give him his due in that he was ahead of his time. He was. He was. And he was very much a pioneer and a, a positive influence on guys that basically made the 80s scene. Namely, yeah. the heavyweight champion going into this match, the immortal Hulk Hogan. And he was ahead of his time in in the sense that if he'd come around a few years later, like if he'd been if he'd been five years younger here, Vince would have loved having him on his roster. For sure. You know, for he sure. just kind of was a little early. Like, he was great for TV. He was great for, um, I mean, his promos were fantastic. Yep. Um, he would have been a way bigger star. I mean, he was a huge star, obviously, in the Northeast, but he would have been a huge, huge star on a worldwide level for if sure. his timing had been better. You know, just that's just the way it worked out. But um, he had everything that Vince looked for in a guy the build, the talking, the, you know, the uh, larger than life personality. He really was fantastic. Turned out he was a dick. And years later, he would just be shittier and shittier, you know. Um, but yeah, as far as acknowledging his accomplishments and how good he was as a wrestler, yeah, the guy was. Um, I'm having a sip of Corona for him. Well, and I think we should just end it right there because that's about as high praise as you're going to issue to superstar Billy Graham. That's so, it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll uh, keep it moving, but I do want to point out. Two of our very most favorite managers on the heel side, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Slick, the and only was, two managers on the heel side. And I was so happy when Jive Soul Bro started playing. I was too. I was hoping they'd play it. Here comes one man gang. Yep. And yep. Butch Reed, fucking you, Jive Soul Bro. Love it. Yeah. And my least favorite manager was on the face team, Oliver Humperdink, who looks as stupid as ever in this match. He's ridiculous. He looks ridiculous. He looks like a disco ball. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like Mrs. Garrett from The Facts of Life. <laughs> yeah, if she was like at the Pride Parade. <laughs> you slap a little facial hair on her. Yeah, I just never got that guy. I don't understand how he got a job in wrestling. I don't understand why he people, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Somebody must have been a fan of him other than his mom. But not me. <laughs> well, he managed to fleece WCW for a job because they ended up managing the SST, who became the uh -huh. Head Shrinkers. He was right. with the Freebirds. So he always kind of had an in somewhere. Um, but yeah, here he is on the face team at ringside. Yeah. Um, Rick Rude's tights were awesome in this match. I remember those tights. The first time I ever saw them was in a magazine because... I saw the results of this in a magazine before the VHS came out. Okay. And his tights were like white with road signs all over him, which who knows what the fuck got into his head when he asked someone to make him tights with road signs all over him. You know, he's like a yield sign and a stop sign and one way and they're like overlap. It's like a mosaic of road signs. They're completely ridiculous, but they were awesome. And also let's give it up to Rick Rudy. I know we do this all the time. We talk about how great he is. Mm -hmm. He hadn't been in the WWF that long at this point. No. A few months. A few months. Already is working with the very tip top of the card. He's in the main event. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does he need to have a great showing here? No, of course not. But the fact that he is in the match and working with the top guys, Rick Rude was a fucking star that went out way too soon. If it wasn't for that back injury in WCW in the mid 90s, yeah. I don't know what he would have ended up accomplishing in wrestling. 
clearly really Vince had plans for him. Oh, there's you know? no doubt about it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I still um, think he should have beat Warrior in that cage match at SummerSlam. I'm just saying. Me too. Me too. Rick Rude's heavyweight champion would have just been the Awesome. Best. Yeah. yeah. Um, Patera has a thing on his arm that looks like he's going to fly a falcon around. <laughs> like, I guess With he had an elbow. Master. <laughs> yeah, there's a beast master. Like, he's gonna, an owl is going to land on his arm. <laughs> I guess he had an elbow injury and this was very late. This, I mean, Patera was like probably gone the following fucking Friday from the company. I mean, he wasn't around much. No, no he, he, went through 88. he ended up teaming with yeah. Billy Jack Haynes, dude. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. He yeah, didn't really do anything. Yeah. That's yeah. He was in the battle Royal, but not that um, much longer. I mean, I don't remember. He might've been at four in the battle Royal. Yeah. Maybe, but yeah. again, maybe gone the next night. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't that much longer after this. You're right. Right. Um, Rocco and Rude start the match. You got the quick tags by the faces, and within about a minute, or within about two minutes, you have Orndorff, Hogan, and Bam Bam all in the ring, and they are all killing Rick Rude. Yeah. And then Patera's stupid ass gets in. He knocks Rick Rude into his own corner. He goes on to tag Butch Reed, and that made no sense. Um, but still, they take. But he he takes control of Butch Reed, so it's still lots of early fast pace action, and the fails, the faces are in complete control. Yeah, they look great. Like the first five minutes, ten minutes of the match, they were on it. Yeah, and about three minutes in, Hogan tags in and drops a quick leg on Butch Reed, and he's gone. <laughs> the get Butch, Butch Reed out of here, brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, this is Hulk- prime era Hulk Hogan, dude. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Like this let's Hogan- let's just take a minute and talk about that. He had the ripped up headband. He was wearing. Yeah, it looked that like 86. a veil. Yeah, he was wearing that 86 world title. The crowd mm-hmm. ate literally everything he threw at them up. And I mean, when you think Hulk Hogan in his prime, this is it right here. It is this Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Hogan could, have, Hogan could have pulled those trunks down and dropped a deuce in the middle of the ring. And he the, could have shit on Andre's chest. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, in that case, he would have had a spot to plant that U.S. flag. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but look i don't want to overshadow bam bam bigelow either who mm-hmm. i've often said best big man of all time every right. time bigelow got in that ring the crowd loved him dude he was yeah. getting pops all night he was he was yeah. yeah i don't want to overlook bigelow in this match because mm-hmm. that was awesome for him too yeah so andre tags in or doesn't tag in he just gets in hogan has been celebrating with his team he turns around to see andre and you're like Cool, we're already getting Hogan and Andre. Yep. But then Joey Morella tells him that he that Hogan tagged out when he high fived um Patera. Patera. Yeah, and Hogan's pissed. And, Je- and Jesse is immediately like, oh, Morella's saving Hogan again. He's bearing Gorilla Monsoon's son. Yeah, right next to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so Andre's like, well, fuck Patera. And he tags Bundy in. He doesn't want to yeah, have anything he didn't to do want with, to deal him. with Patera. Yeah. Um but um, Patera shockingly fucked up Bundy. I was like, oh, Bundy's going to fucking... I thought Bundy was going to toss him into the corner and avalanche him like within 30 seconds, but he didn't. Patera kind of went to work on him. Patera looked good in this match, dude. I will say, every time he got yeah. in, he had a spark. He was like... He was energetic. He was doing moves. Like, I was yeah. impressed. He wasn't yeah. garbage. No, for being in his 60th year of wrestling, he looked good. Yeah, he looked fantastic. Um, then Orndorff gets in and he, um, he finally takes over or, I mean, he gets in, he charges gang and that's when the heels take over. Um, he charges gang in the corner and he eats a knee, but before long, before long, Rick Rude gets in and the faces are back on top. And I was like, damn, Rude is having a shitty night. Oh yeah. And Jesse keeps alluding to that too. He's like, Rick Rude is not having a good night. 
Yeah, right. He's having a bad time. He's having a bad time. Yeah, and it's like every time the heels start to get something going on, going on, they get cut off by the baby faces. Um, eventually, Gang stops Patera with an eye gouge, and he takes him into the corner to get worked over by the whole team. And then um, Patera shoots Gang into the ropes and goes for a clothesline, but Gang hits him first, and he falls. It's like kind of like they both go for a clothesline. Yeah, it was a weird finish. It was kind of. I think there might have been a mistiming there. Whatever it was, Gang ends up clotheslining Patera. And just sort of falling onto him. And just he got the fell pin. on him, yeah. Sort of fell, just kind of collapsed. I don't know if... It didn't look like that was what they meant to happen. But what they meant to happen, I couldn't tell you. But um, no surprise, Patera's the first one out on Team Babyface. Yeah. Then Hogan and Bam Bam double team gang. They just both jump in. And the crowd goes crazy. And then um, you get... Um, Bam Bam ends up getting his ass kicked. He makes a hot tag to, uh, to Orndorff. And he gets in and is killing Rude. He drops an elbow right across Rick Rude's throat. And how good was Paul Orndorff, dude? There's so much room for error yeah. in that. You know what I mean? The guy's laying yeah. on his back and you drop an elbow on his throat. If you're off by a couple inches, it looks like shit. And if you're off by a couple inches the other way, you fucking crush the guy's throat. Well, that's why we did a whole episode about how great Mr. Wonderful was. Yeah, right. He really was. Um, Bundy ends up hitting him from behind, hitting Orndorff from behind, and then Rude rolls him up for a three count. So Rude gets a pin on Bund- on uh, Orndorff in this match. Yeah, which is great because they had been feuding at the time. In fact, uh, Humperdinck was Orndorff's manager. Right. So yeah, Rude gets one up here, and the fact that Rude was not having a good night was because he was making everybody else look like a million bucks because that's what Rick Rude did. He really was, yeah. yeah. yeah he was like the 80s version of Dolph Ziggler. Could bump around the ring like a madman. It's actually Damn. a really good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Hogan and Morocco do a double team on Rude, and Morocco power slams him in like slow motion. He does like the Randy Orton power slam, you yeah. know, off the ropes, but he does it like in slow motion, like in the um, like in that Beastie Boys video. <laughs> and then he pins him, and it's three on three, and we're not that far into the match. We're probably 10 minutes into the match. So this yeah. match is moving fast to yeah. start. I was shocked Morocco pinned Rude. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was too, actually. Yeah, you wouldn't think Morocco of all guys. But know? again, this is we mentioned this earlier. It's kind of Rude's first few months in the WWF. Like, he wasn't super established yet. Yeah. So it was one of those, he could take a pin from Morocco. Yeah. And if you were, exactly, he looked great. Yeah, and if you were like an old school fan, you knew that Morocco had been IC champ early exactly, on. Yes. You know, that was pre-dating yes. Vince taking over the company, so that was sort of ignored. And chances were you didn't know Rick Root had come in from the NWA as a tag team champion. He's just some muscle-bound guy that Vince is bringing in. So yeah, it right. makes sense. Morocco, multi-time IC champion, gets the pin. Yeah. Totally, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Morocco goes to slam gang and he does the Hogan Andre spot where yes. um, he goes down and, and uh, gang lands on top of him. And I thought he was done, um, but he wasn't until a few minutes later. Andre gets in and um, hits him with a head. Oh, no, no. Andre doesn't get in. He had butts from outside from the, the outside. ring. Yep. And he takes a splash from gang. So he's out. Um, and then it's like, so here's who's left in the in the match. You've got gang, Bundy, Bam Bam and Andre. And Hogan is the smallest guy in the ring yes. i think yes right like hogan's never the smallest you get that many guys someone's always gonna be smaller than hogan not here not here dude yeah, yeah. all the big guys were left on andre's team yeah right exactly the giants are left and at this point i started thinking what a well-booked match totally you know? dude because this like, is what you... the fans wanted to see they wanted that big huge guy in the ring or huge guys in the ring 
tearing it up. And now you've got a three on two, all the biggest guys left in the match. And yeah, and I mean, like, and the baby faces seem to be in jeopardy because right. you've got, um, okay, it's Gang. I mean, he's a big giant guy, but he's not really, you know, he hasn't accomplished a whole lot. But um, Hogan wrestled Bundy in a cage too. Right. You know, just the year, two years, or like a year and a half before this. And, you know, he didn't smoke his ass. You right. know, like he didn't beat it, beat the fuck out of him or anything. He struggled with him. Hogan's and last then, two WrestleMania opponents. Let's point that out. Right. In, and then yeah. Andre. Yeah. And then Andre, which Andre is 15 years undefeated, except for the one match with Hogan, where Hogan barely beat him. And it was sort of a controversial uh, match in the first place because of that pin at the beginning. Right. So you're like, shit, man. You know, when I'm a kid, I'm watching this. I wish I'd been watching it live because you'd be like, oh, my God, dude. And Bigelow's new. You don't know exactly what he's got yet. Right. So as he Hogan's has, yeah. tag team partner, is he going to be able to save Hogan? Is he He's unproven. Own? He's unproven, exactly. Yeah, so Bam Bam's in the ring, and the heels cut the ring off. At this point, you can cut the ring off because there's only one more guy outside you can tag in. Yeah. Um, and Bundy and Gang are tagging in and out. And at this point, one-man gang of all people is the workhorse of the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's the guy working his ass off for that team. You would never expect to see that from one-man gang. Right. And then I noticed Bundy's boot is coming apart. Oh, shit. They do like a shot under the ropes from the corner oh, camera. And his boot is right there. Like his boot, like the boot is separating from the sole. It's really bizarre. And I was like, dude, he made it into two. Like, <laughs> he doesn't have his gear figured out? Come on. Well, he's also missing a knee pad, which I didn't notice until right now. I think the midget that he slammed at WrestleMania three is fucking with his gear. Oh, <laughs> a little beaver <laughs> coming back and getting them. Yeah. yeah. Um, finally, Andre tags in when Bam Bam is almost dead. And before he does anything, Bam Bam does like a really cool roll to the corner, like that wrestling roll, you know, yes. like, I don't, I don't know what you call it, but a wrestler would be able I, to tell if, you. I'd say a keto way, roll. Way cooler than a barrel roll. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like roll like over your shoulder onto your feet. Right. Um, tags Hogan. Hogan gets in. The place goes banana. Um, Hogan right away is like choking Andre. Um, He's outnumbered. He has to fucking wrestle like a heel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like he has to wrestle like Hogan. Part of the game. That's what it is. Yeah. He, he's giving him shots in the corner. He's elbowing him to the face. <laughs> yeah. So like um, you mentioned, we're about 15 minutes in now, and now we finally get Hogan Andre. They teased it long enough. Now you're finally mm-hmm. getting that payoff. First time right. really since WrestleMania three on, on pay-per-view anyway. Well, this was Andre's first match since three. Oh, right. Right. They mentioned that earlier on. Um, Hogan hits the ropes and Bundy grabs him and uh, he and gang fight outside. And then Hogan slams Bundy on the floor, but Hogan gets himself counted out because he's fighting on the floor. And um, then, like, he doesn't want to leave. And then the referee tells Fink if Hogan doesn't leave, he's immediately disqualified. Yep. So Hogan's out, which is shocking. You never would expect to see Hogan be out. Right, because an 80s pay-per-view is not complete unless Hogan closes the show celebrating Mm -hmm. with the crowd with his music playing. But here he's eliminated and the match isn't over. Right, right. So now you got a three-on-one situation. Yeah. So now you got a three-on-one situation. Like you said, Bam Bam hadn't been around very long, but he's the last guy in the main event on the Babyface team. And what a showcase for Bam Bam Bigelow here. You're automatically thinking, like we were thinking with Velvet McIntyre earlier in the women's match, they've got plans. Obviously, Mm -hmm. they see something big in Bigelow here. Let's see what happens. Like, they're going to give him a shot. They're going to showcase him. What can he do? Yeah, yeah. Um... He's in there with Bundy, and he invents the people's elbow. 
<laughs> did you catch that? I did, yeah. Bondi was down and he made a point of kicking his arm yeah. and dropped an elbow on him. He didn't hit the ropes like the rock or any of that, but he kicked the arm, which is like not that not that either of them invented that. If a guy's arm's out and you need it moved, you kick it. But it just looked it was like, wow, that was a people's elbow. The you rock know? is you a wrestling historian. He knew that. He watched that. Yeah, right. I wonder if he did. Wouldn't that it's be funny the if the rock said that bam. sometime? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the bam bam elbow. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, Bam Bam does a headbutt on Bundy, and Bundy does the laziest fucking kick out I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I think Bundy might be blown up. Um, we'll blame his gear. Uh, his gear. You mentioned his gear was falling apart. We'll just blame his gear. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, then Bundy goes for an avalanche. Um, he misses, and he shoots himself uh, from the apron over the top. And... Um, Wait, a bit, ba- ba- uh, sorry. B- Bam Bam shoots himself oh, from the apron over the top rope and lands on in a splash on yeah, slingshot splash uh, on Bundy, yeah, and uh, yeah, slingshot. That's what I'm trying to think of. Slingshot splash. He goes outside after Bundy misses the avalanche, does a slingshot splash over, pins him. Then Gang gets in. So now you got Gang and Andre. Yeah, and Bigelow spent. I love that Bigelow was really selling the exhaustion because mm-hmm. he's in there with the beefiest fucking guys on the roster. Like, of course he's going to be exhausted, and he's selling it to perfection, dude. And he'd been in the match a lot before. He had, you know, Before yes. he was the last one. Yeah, yeah. he was in. The, he was like honky-tonking this. He probably, he might have been in the match more than anyone else. Yeah, and, when, and see, that's why I love the whole situation earlier that had Honky in the three-on-one. The heel bailed. Bigelow's staying in and fighting. Right, which is kind of cool. You have the opening match and the closing match with exactly. like a very, like, with that contrast. Yeah, yeah good bookend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... Gang's kicking his ass. He goes for a splash off the top rope and he lands right on his feet <laughs> and gets pinned. And got pinned. Gang <laughs> lost by a splash on his feet. He hurt his toes. He hurt his toes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he had bad boots too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Bigelow's now eliminated two of the three and he's got one left. Andre Just left. Yeah. Andre the giant. Yeah. And Andre... Andre's immediately getting outmaneuvered. Um, but yeah, Bigelow's he up, doing the rolls again. He's doing the rolls again. Andre can't grab him. And Andre ends up, char- uh, I'm sorry, Bam Bam ends up charging Andre in the corner. And uh, Which looks Andre, horrible, by the way. I'm, I'll, I'll sing Bigelow's praises forever. But that charge to the corner looked awful because he basically ran right by Andre. And yeah. ran full force right into the turnbuckle. Well, I think Andre didn't move fast enough. No, he didn't. Bigelow you just know. basically ran right <laughs> by him, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think it, like someone who could move a little better, it would have looked better. Oh, totally. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he was doing what he could so with Andre. So in other words, Goldberg could have taken notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Andre uh, didn't Bobby even Lashley. try to sidestep him, dude. He just stood there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Andre grabs him. He hits that shitty suplex, sort yeah. of like a double underhook suplex. Right. And he, and he lands on him. And one, two, three, Andre wins. But immediately. And immediately, Hogan hits the ring. He's got the belt. He attacks Andre with the fucking thing. Right. Jesse's screaming that Hogan's a sore loser. And I got to say, Jesse's right. A hundred percent right, dude. Because not only is he a sore loser, he completely took the spotlight away from Bigelow, who completely earned it in this match. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was really like, I get you send the crowd home happy, but you could have had Hogan come out and do something after the pay-per-view went off the way they do now with like Raw. Have him save Bigelow from a beating by Andre post-match. That would have been good. That would have made perfect sense. Yeah, but Andre didn't do anything. Andre got in there. He didn't cheat. No. He didn't play dirty. He got in there and he just won the fucking match for his team. Exactly. And did you notice when Bigelow lost, 
him and Hunkverdink got right the fuck out of Dodge. Because I think Vince was like, look, as soon as you take that pin, you get the fuck out of the ring because here comes Hogan. Exactly. And that's exactly what Bigelow did, dude. He got zero moment to absorb any sort of adulation from the crowd, to be like, that was my time. I was in the ring with Andre in a, a one-on-one. Got no moment to savor that. Just fucking here comes Hogan. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Trash. it was a total- I 100% agree with Jesse, too. Yeah, yeah. And even Hogan, like, okay, he feels he got screwed because he got counted out, but, like, he could have gotten back in the ring instead of slamming Bundy. Yes. You know what I mean? He didn't have to get fucking, um, get himself counted out. Like, he was completely in control of that situation. He could have dove under that bottom rope and not been counted out. We took Gang out, too. Like, not only did he take care of Bundy, he went over after Gang. Yeah, yeah, right. He's like, I'm going to beat up everybody, brother. It's on him, dude. (laughs) But, yeah, managed to steal a moment from fucking Bigelow, and he has to celebrate with the crowd. But, again, that was your 80s staple pay-per-view WWF event. It has to end with real American playing and Hogan posing to the crowd. And Jesse saying he might have to come out of retirement to beat him. I love that bit. It's always good when he does that, yeah. I love that, yeah. He said it all the time. Yeah. Um, And who, did you notice who escorted Andre out of the uh, arena? Out of the arena? Yeah, he was leaving and somebody came up. Besides the cops, the cops came out there. because Besides Heenan? Yes, besides Heenan. I'm going to guess Tony Gurria. Tony Gurria. There it is. And I'm out of beer. I wish I had I wish I'm I had a little bit more beer. Also out of beer. Yeah. Sad. It's a very sad. Yeah, and, Gor- and Gorilla's like, "Well, whatever. Hogan's mad and Jesse's like, "Well, so what's next in attacking him in the parking lot?" <laughs> yeah, right. And Gorilla was condoning that. He's like, "Maybe." Yeah, and well, that's then when it Jesse's would be like a only true Thanksgiving. Yeah. And that's when uh, <laughs> Jesse's like, that's when Jesse says like only the only Cleveland would celebrate a loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there was no passing of the torch moment, no Hogan acknowledging what Bigelow did in the ring. It was just, Bigelow, get the fuck out of my ring. I'm going to come in. I'm going to celebrate with the crowd. Post-match, you get Heenan and Andre in the back, basically issuing an open challenge that would set up the uh, main event in February with the, Mm -hmm. uh, the twin referees. Right. So you can see the build now that happens post Survivor Series. You've got DiBiase and Andre against Hogan. In February, you've got the build to the tournament for WrestleMania 4 when the belt was taken off of Andre and yeah. not given to DiBiase. And that's this event is what kicks all of that off. Yeah. And then after this, my favorite part of the whole pay-per-view, you see a sign on hard camera that says Maucho Madness Rules. <laughs> I sent you the picture. I sent you the picture of that. It was so funny. I was like, I was like, damn, dude, that kid has terrible parents. Like they let him bring that sign. But phonetically, I can see how he would make that mistake. Macho? Macho. Like ma. You can do ah with an AU. Oh, like mod. Right. Like the TV show mod. Like the TV show mod. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Okay. Yeah. I guess. All right. Okay. You could. I mean, it's an honest mistake. Maybe the kid was like nine. Yeah, maybe his parents were stupid. Maybe they weren't bad parents. They were just dumb. Yeah, they looked at the sign and they're like, that's cool. That looks great, son. Yeah, good and it job. was like a shitty, it was, the sign was terrible too because like madness was like the last few letters were all cramped, you cramped know, small. Because, yeah, he didn't, he didn't plan it out well when he was scaling the letters. You got to do it in pencil first. Exactly. That's the yeah. trick, see? Because yeah. then you can erase. Exactly. Right, right. This was probably the kid who made the Halloween Havoc set. <laughs> Him and his buddies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you think he got discovered? <laughs> yeah, with his Maucho Madness sign. Maucho Madness. <laughs> we need to make a shirt with Maucho Madness. That, oh my that god! That same kid came up with the names on those tombstones. 
that's good stuff. Well, anyway, I think that wraps up Survivor <laughs> Series. And Scott, you got to leave. I guess we're not getting to another episode tonight. Uh, I don't think so. Not until Sad. next week, dude. Sad. Next week. We'll see next what week. we can do. But that t- maybe we do three. Maybe we do three drink ups next week. That'll work. Maybe I don't know. I don't want. I don't like to put up that many drink ups in a row, though. Uh, the listeners love us. They'll take it. That's true. That's true. I mean, if it's if it's a drink up or nothing, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. That takes care of Survivor Series 1987. What did you think of this pay-per-view? And what do you think of our coverage of it? Please let us know on the social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok handle is wrestling underscore drunk. I forgot to tell people to get fucking shirts. Buy fucking shirts. Buy a fucking shirt. Whatamaneuver.com. Yep. Dot net. Dot net. Dot org. Dot sh. (laughs) (laughs) Dot cub. Oh, God. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Drunkwrestlinghistory.ca. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, please uh, tell your family, friends, heels, and faces to like, share, and subscribe to our show. And please leave us reviews so that we can get recognition and this, uh, uh, this uh, drunk wrestling adventure can keep on going. On behalf of Eddie and Scott, I'm Adam reminding all of you to enjoy your buzz, watch wrestling responsibly, drink like nobody's watching, and we'll see you all next time for another great episode. One, two, three. Not that, Don Marie. Dive. High knee. <laughs>